We are back yet again on the Thick Men Inc. podcast, and this week we are here to deluge you in quality takes, much like Kyle Usechek was deluged in slime at the end of the 49ers-Cowboys game. And speaking of the 49ers-Cowboys game and its ending, there were some very questionable calls in that game, and it wasn't exclusive to that game. Rough ball ran rampant this weekend in the NFL. Starting things off, we can look at the Bengals-Raiders game. There was a phantom touchdown where there was clearly a whistle blown before the ball is caught. By the rules, that means the play is dead, but it was still counted as a touchdown and that really screwed the Raiders over I think the Raiders fans have the most right out of anyone to complain about the officiating this weekend because there was a direct violation of the rules in their game which cost them at least four points and maybe seven then you move to the debacle that was the end of the Cowboys game now the Cowboys were heavily penalized throughout the game some of those deservedly so. The false starts, a lot of the holds, pretty blade. There were some other borderline plays, which I personally wouldn't have called. But then you get to the final three drives. You get a horrendous hands-to-the-face call, which goes on on every single play on the offensive and defensive side of the ball in the lines, but for some reason was called when the game matters the most. Then you get the spot of the ball, which has to go to replay. The spot was horrible in the first place. And finally, you get the uh, questionable final play of the game. And look, it was a stupid play. Don't get me wrong. Running a quarter quarterback draw up the middle with 12 seconds very dumb head should roll for that the OC and head coach should be fired that was a terrible decision but the referee remained stationary until play was over he is allowed by the rules to move I looked this up he could have gotten his butt in gear as soon as Dak Prescott took off he wasn't going to be in the play then you look and see okay he runs into Dak he humps Dak a little bit Dak did a stupid thing by spying the ball himself but still like the referee screwed up a little bit on that play those three things in those final three drives affected the outcome of that game and finally least significant of all because the Rams absolutely woodshedded the Cardinals you've got the uh forward pass which was not a forward pass which was falsely ruled and cost the Cardinals first down I don't think that play would have mattered in the grand scheme of things how one-sided that game was but still it's worth noting and it really is a shame for the NFL that we are going to spend so much time talking about officiating there are great officials out there particularly Brad Allen the best in the business he should be working every single Super Bowl he has some of the best officiating you will ever see but then you got guys like the Raiders crew like the 49ers crew, really screwed things up. And I am not a big fan of the work. The NFL has already announced the crew worked the Bengals-Raiders game will not be working again in the postseason. And I'm not sure if they're going to announce it or not, but I would not be surprised if the crew which worked the 49ers-Cowboys game was also unemployed for the remainder of the year. It's not good officiating, and the fact that we're having to have this discussion in, at all is a bad look for the NFL. The Cowboys fans that think the officiating had some type of major impact, and Isaiah, it sounds like you think the officiating had some type of major impact on the outcome of the game I think that is a delusional take and it kind of diminishes the absolute robbery that took place in the Bengals and Raiders game when it comes to the discussion in the media in general now I know you acknowledged it and you acknowledged a Raiders missed call but I think it takes away from the discussion around that game due to how the Cowboys and 49ers game ended I'm going to address the Bengals and Raiders first the referees it felt like they're working against the Raiders the entire game now there were bad calls on both sides of the ball but it felt every single time there was a call made against the Raiders it had a much more significant impact on every single drive on whatever drive the call happened on and it felt like it had an impact on the end of the game inadvertent whistle that was called on the touchdown pass that was a call that actually put more points up on the board for the Bengals if that doesn't happen they likely get a field goal and at halftime they're leading 16 to 13 rather than 20 to 13 that is a major point spread going into halftime and it's a much different momentum going into halftime the Bengals don't have the momentum of that extra touchdown instead the 
drive ended with a field goal. So I feel like the Raiders kind of got robbed. Now, I think the Bengals are definitely the better team. They have the better offense. Defenses are probably equal. They both have good pass rushes. So I felt bad for the Raiders. And now let me address the refs in the Cowboys game. It's honestly sad that there's still fans complaining about the referees in the Cowboys and 49ers game. It shows how delusional the Cowboys fan base is. Cowboys often simply did not show up to play and looked completely overwhelmed the majority of the game. That is the reason the Cowboys lost. The Cowboys have very good receivers. They have a very good backfield. They have a good tight end. They have a quarterback that's paid like the third best quarterback in the NFL, yet they were only able to put up 17 points against the 49ers. That is why they lost. It is not because of the refs and how the refs call the game. And if you're upset that the Cowboys had 14 penalties called against them and you feel like the world is against the Cowboys, the Cowboys are the most penalized team in the NFL. They are undisciplined. The Randy Gregory penalty epitomizes that where they would get the ball back with a minute 30 left in a timeout. He decides it's a good idea to tackle the offensive tackle. So they're just a not well coached team. They don't play together as a team. And all around, it's a mess of a coaching staff that is wasting a very talented roster. And let me finally address, and then I'll let you respond, Isaiah, the last play of the game. Isaiah already said that it was a stupid play call. The play call should have never happened. And Dak Prescott not finding the refs is inexcusable. This is something that should be a coaching point in practice. Mike McCarthy even said they practiced the play. So Dak Prescott should have known that he needs to find the ref as soon as possible, wherever the ref may be on the field. He does not do that and ultimately caused them another three seconds and doesn't give them a chance at scoring. And when it also comes down to the discussion, whether it's easy or not to score from the 25 yard line or the 40, personally, I would have to assume that the success rate of completing a touchdown from the 25 yard line can't be that much different on a Hail Mary pass from just the 40 yard line. You probably would have gotten two opportunities versus just one from the 25. At the end of the day, the Cowboys underachieved again, and they're no different than when they were playing under Jason Garrett, a mess and underachieving. Well, you'll acknowledge Jack made the wrong play, not getting the ball made the ref. You won't acknowledge the ref was not in the right position at the time. You won't acknowledge that although Dallas is the least disciplined team in the league, as you like to put the uh, most penalized, there were still penalties which went against the Cowboys, which were questionable. I get they're undisciplined, but 14 penalties, that's excessive. I don't think that was because the Dallas Cowboys came in and were overhyped by the atmosphere. They play in packed arenas constantly. They know the deal. They play for the most commercially successful team in the NFL. They're used to the noise. They're used to the volume. They might not be used to the 50-foot slime monster behind them, but very few people are. So I think it was a little bit biased fishing, or at least poor fishing towards the Cowboys. You to completely dismiss the Cowboys as, oh, it's all the uh, players or coaches' fault. That feels a bit biased. Granted, Giants fan, what can I expect? Your Super Bowl is the NFL draft. Granted, unlike the Super Bowl, you don't realize you have lost until about eight weeks into the year. But going on to talk about the coaches, Mike McCarthy probably should be fired. He is an uninspired coach. He does not do creative stuff with the offensive degree should. He's got two of the best receivers in the NFL. He's got an elite backfield, probably the best one-two punch in Pollard and Elliott you can have in the league. And Dak is certainly a top 10 quarterback and at times looks like a top five quarterback. You've got to be able to do better than that. You can't have your offense go on these long cold slumps and you can't have your offensive line suddenly miss every single block. But he was not the guy who uh, signed off on that play. Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator, needs to be fired for that play. That play was horrible. It was an embarrassment of football. It showed a lack of game and situational knowledge. He needs to go. Mike probably needs to go. The issue with that, though, is Jerry Jones, for the great general manager that he is, and I don't think you'll dispute that, the Cowboys year in, year out have a very talented roster. Look at the draft picks they made the last two years. Look at Diggs. Look at Parsons. Look at the 
their offensive line, look at their weapons. They are a very good team in terms of drafting, but Jerry likes having puppets as head coaches. If he can get away from that and hire someone like, say, Brian Flores, this team will reach new heights and probably compete for the Super Bowl. Until then, they ain't winning anything with Mike McCarthy. Well, you would hope that they know how to play in a on the biggest stage in an environment that is electric, and they just didn't. They didn't look like they came into the game with any energy. They looked like the away team when they were playing a home game, especially in the first quarter. To be fair, the 49ers, it was a wide out. You know, all the white environments strongly favor the 49ers, particularly Nick Bosa. You know he was excited to see all that white in the stands. <laughs> oh my. But the 49ers came out and played with energy, and the Cowboys, Dak, honestly looked scared to me on the broadcast. The energy that they were playing with did not seem like they were confident that they were going to win. They didn't run the ball well in the first half, which they should be. They have a good backfield. They have the offensive line. They have everything, and they just, the emotion wasn't there. It didn't seem like they were playing a playoff game and that they wanted to win. Now, of course, like they've done in many other games this season, they showed up in the fourth quarter, and mainly due to Jimmy G's incompetence, is also the only reason the Cowboys had a chance at coming back. If Jimmy G lets Trent Williams get set, uh, the game is over. If he doesn't throw the interception, the game's over. And on top of that, this is completely objective commentary. This has nothing to do with the Giants. The Giants stink. With the Giants sucking. That is nothing. Me talking about the Cowboys in this way has nothing to do with it. The only time I completely, you know, not so objective is when I'm talking about our pals over in Philadelphia. No, that is who so I absolutely untrue. despise. You have said their fan so base. many positive and negative things about the Giants' graphics. Just positive things, really. You have praised the Andrew Thomas pick. You praised the Dale Jones pick. And even after Dale Jones' rookie year, we showed real worrying signs. You continue to praise him. You are so. This was like two, three years for every ago. Every single Isaiah. NFC East team, except the football team, because no one can really hate the football team because they're named the football team. They're better things to hate. You are so not objective towards the Eagles and the Cowboys. It is hilarious. You try to tell me Jerry Jones is a bad general manager. We are done with this topic because it's been 12 minutes and we've been talking about one game. We are moving on. You're building a false narrative and it is not okay. Anyway, let's move on to the Cardinals and Rams game. The Cardinals didn't even seem to be in the same class as the Rams Monday night. Kyler Murray did his best Carson Wentz impression with that horrible pick six. Kyler didn't even look like he knew how to play football for a majority of the game. He looked terrible. But the biggest reason I think the Cardinals looked so bad on offense was because of Cliff Kingsbury. He once again did not adapt to the game and it looked like he didn't come in with much of an offensive game plan at all. He got absolutely outcoached by Sean McVay and the Ram staff for all 60 minutes. He never took advantage of Kyler Murray's athleticism. He didn't use him in the run game at all. He didn't move him outside of the pocket and it just, he didn't play to his skill set. If Kyler Murray was truly healthy last night, and I'm not saying he was injured, but the game plan didn't make any sense and Cliff Kingsbury's job status should be determined based off last night's game plan. He set Kyler Murray to get murdered the entire game by Aaron Donald. Well, they did try and rule Kyler outside a few times early. It didn't go well. Von Miller, three towels for loss, one sack. He was an absolute menace last evening. We cannot deny that. Looks like a very good trade right now and might put the Rams in Super Bowl position. But here's the issue with the card. Kyler Murray has durability issues. He looked a little bit injured and scared to run last evening. That has been the problem the entire back half of the year. That has been the problem ever since that Packers game. He has gotten his ankle rolled up on and he has strolled to adapt. He is scared to leave the pocket and he's struggling a little bit because he lost that tiny bit of speed, which he absolutely needs to outrun everybody else because he's super quick and super agile. When he's not super quick and super agile, he's not a very good quarterback and a lot of people need to just accept that. Their defense was healthy. That didn't really make a difference. The health concerns which have plagued this team all year were not 
not a huge factor with the exception of Kyler Murray last evening and they still couldn't get it done. The issue is clearly on him. But I have found a solution to this and this is a bit unconventional so wrote some notes on it. Everybody knows that Kyler Murray is short. People say he's 5'10". Those people clear idiots. He's 5'8". So I went and did some research on limb lengthening surgery and you may laugh at this but this is a thing and can be very <laughs> effective for some people. Now, as we know, Drew Brees, one of the best pocket-passing quarterbacks of all time, also the best short pocket-passing quarterback of all time, or certainly in the last 10-15 years. Drew Brees stands at about 6 feet tall. Realistically, he's probably 5'11". So, Kyler Murray needs 3 inches to be on Drew Brees' level. And limb lengthening surgery, you can get an average of about 1.5 inches for 3 months of rehab and adjustment time. So... Let's say six months of rehab. That gets him back in a Cardinals uniform, fully recovered, three inches taller, in time for the preseason, in time for OTAs. Like, it is an absolute must that Kyler Murray gets this surge. That is the only way he's going to be able to succeed at the NFL level long term. He's going to have to change his game. He's probably going to be uncoordinated for the first few games of the upcoming season because that extra three inches, every man knows an extra three inches there, there, big difference. But with this added height, he'll be able to stand in the pocket much better, deliver ball more accurately and finally rise to a truly elite level not just peter out halfway through every year he can be a truly great pocket passer he's got the arm count i think he's got the vision he just needs to stop running and being scared and to do that he's going to have to get about three inches tall i'm sure it is a financially draining surgery for most people kyler murray's a multi-millionaire it will cost nothing for him. the cardinals organization funded it'll cost nothing for them there is only one answer to kyler murray becoming a great quarterback in the nfl and it's this surgery right now his current operation not working. Well, I don't know how the surgery works, but that just sounds like something that's only going to make his bones more injury prone. Yeah, but he's going to stop running once he gets the surgery because he can finally see over the offensive line, Tristan. You're thinking much too small. We're not going to see the Kyler Murray. Joe Theismann wasn't running when his femur was poking out of his body. (laughs) Well, guess what? Lawrence Taylor ain't lining up anymore. We are going to see Drew Brees 2.0, but this time in red. You are hating on this surgery because you cannot afford to get the surgery. Drew yourself, a 5'11 man who strolls to get over 6 feet, do not want to be intimidated by Kyler Murray rising to your height, I'm 6 feet tall. You're 5'11". No, that's just not true. But at the end of the day, the Cardinals not going to get done with the current roster. Something needs to change, whether that be the limb-lengthening surgery or some would say a more realistic option, a better offensive line. I don't know, but I don't think it's a coach. I think it's a player personnel. On the Rams side of things, it was an impressive performance. The defense definitely showed up in a big way. Aaron Donald showed up in a big way. The pass rush showed up in a big way. The defense overall finally put on a dominant performance when they've put up some goose eggs this year. And there's been a lot of hype around Odell, which I think he deserves. He seems to be coming into his own again with the pass to Cam Akers and the touchdown catch in the corner. But I think what's being overlooked is the fact that Matthew Stafford only threw the ball 17 times this game, three games preceding this game. He threw the ball 32 times, 35 times. He threw the ball a lot and he had seven interceptions over those three games. So I think that's a big part of the reason that Matthew Stafford didn't have a turnover this game is he wasn't throwing the ball as much and if the Cardinals defense would have just shown up a little bit or maybe the Car- sorry Cardinals offense just shown up a little bit and put pressure on the defense Matthew Stafford would have had to throw the ball a bit more and the Rams would have lost the game so that's something to look at as we move into the Bucks game if they make it past them move into the Packers game because I think Matthew Stafford is proven to be prone to turnovers when he has to throw the ball more than 
32 times a game. I mean, you say you only pass the ball 70 times a game like you look bad. He looked very good in his 70 pass attempts. 200 yards, 70 attempts, very impressive. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. He played well. He just didn't need to pass the ball a lot because it got up so much so early that you could just sit back and cruise. And if you were in the lead, you don't pass the ball. You just run the clock with a resident NBA young boy fan, Cam Akers, who tried to kill Buda Baker and then proceeded to taunt him. That is truly a all-time moment and something I'm sure will be pinned up in the car weight room as motivation for the next eight months. What a savage. But I think the Rams are going to struggle going into the remainder of the playoffs simply because they're opponents. But we will get into their matchups a little bit later on. We will briefly touch on the three games we have not mentioned here because we don't really need a full in-depth set. We just need to say a few words. Starting it off, Bills Patriots. Bills scored every single drive. Josh Allen looked amazing. Singletary looked good both in the run game and in the short game. And it is time for Bill Belichick to stop running man defense against the Bills because it is pretty clearly not working. I would not want to play this Bills team after they just did that to what was supposed to be a good defense. This game is the exact reason I did not bash the Bills for losing to the Patriots the first time around. 50 mile per hour wins played directly into the Patriots' strengths and took the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. This did not happen this time around. Josh Allen was able to push the ball down the field. He was able to take advantage of the Patriots' secondary since they love to play man coverage so much. And Mac Jones simply does not have the talent to keep up with Josh Allen, especially in his rookie year. So I was not surprised by this outcome. I expected the Bills to win. And Isaiah mentioned Devin Singletary briefly. It seems like they finally have some type of production from the running back position. So it is definitely something that is concerning to me when they play the the Chiefs. And I think it's concerning to every team that uh, has to play against them. Next up, we've got a brief touch on the Eagles Buccaneers game. And I wrote one, well, two sentences about this, a total of four words. Eagles stink, period. Brady equal GOAT. And I think that's all that really needs to be said about that game. Complete thrashing, very embarrassing. Might be a negative sign for the Buccaneers in the long run if Tristan Wirfs is actually injured. And Antonio Brown's case for Bruce Arians being a tyrant got a little bit more ground when he got sent back out there and Arians ran out and smacked a player in the head. That dude is unstable and probably shouldn't be coaching the NFL, but he's friends with Tom Brady, so it's all working out. Well, anybody with a brain knew the result of the Buccaneers and Eagles game heading in. The Eagles are a terrible team. They had several free wins on their schedule during the regular season that let them get nine wins on the year and let them get into the playoffs. If they were in any other division besides maybe the AFC South, they wouldn't have been a playoff team and nobody would be talking about them. I really hope the front office drafts three more receivers in the first round this year. A lot of Eagles fans are talking about all those first round picks. The Eagles are probably going to blow every single one of them. And maybe with volume drafting, much like the Giants have the past few years, and maybe with volume, one of them will pan out. And I'll give my statement first on the Chiefs and Steelers game. Everyone knew how this game was going to go. I don't think anyone felt otherwise and it is kind of sad that we didn't get to see the Ravens or Colts because I think they would have given up a better fight than the Steelers did but no they wouldn't the Colts might but the Ravens will have got fucking ran off the field come on now the Ravens are not capable of playing anyone with how devastated that roster is by injury if you lose to the Steelers you don't deserve to be in the playoffs but at the end of the day they earned the seventh seed because they had the better record it is the end of the day Tristan for Ben Roethlisberger and Big Ben 
undoubtedly the best quarterback drafted in his class, has played his final game in the NFL. Now, Big Ben's arm was completely shot these final few years. He had Tommy John surgery, which is not often talked about in the media because they love hating on this man. And he was really a shell of his former self. And I don't like the idea that many fans will remember Ben Roethlisberger as this old, washed-up, fat guy. Instead, I want them to remember Big Ben as a young man. A man who would not be stopped. A man with amazing strength and capable of putting balls in tight spots. A man who, when facing defenses or other people, would not take no for an answer. A man who's capable of rising above everything and finishing at the highest levels. Read into those comments however you want. And that is why he won two Super Bowls and will undoubtedly be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Unlike the other two quarterbacks take in the first round of his draft. We'll miss you, Big Ben, mainly because we can't make fun of you anymore. After that beautiful statement about the end of a legend's career, we are going to roll on our predictions for the upcoming football games. And we are going to do this in order, hopefully. Starting these off with the 4.30 p.m. game on Saturday between the Bengals and the Tennessee Titans. Now, the Bengals, four seed, Titans, one seed. But this game vastly favors the Bengals. The Bengals have a very solid run defense. I believe they're ranked fifth in total rushing yards allowed. They've got a elite passing attack. Joe Burrow looks simply electric. He's got T against Chase Young. It's hard to stop those three cats. Then you've got the Titans, who have a weaker secondary near the bottom of the league. And I know they've got Derrick Henry back, but is this going to be King Henry we're seeing, or is it going to be the playoff Derrick Henry, who has failed to rush for 100 yards in his last two elimination games in the playoffs? Now, everything is favoring the Bengals in this matchup, but I just can't bring myself to support a Cincinnati team. Cincinnati is a joke of a city. People who inhabit it, jokes, their sports teams, jokes. We've been over this, we've done this song and dance before about my opinions on Cincinnati, their teams, their chili. It's not a very well-run city, it's not a very well-run organization there in Cincinnati, so I'm going to pick the Tennessee Titans to beat the odds and overcome the adversity and the non-favorable matchups and triumph over the Cincinnati Bengals. Normally, I would favor the Tennessee Titans if it had been a normal season for them. Derrick Henry was healthy the entire year. They didn't deal with as many injuries as they've dealt with, but I feel like the Bengals are carrying all the momentum into this game. They have the elite offense. Their defense is functioning and we don't know what Derrick Henry is going to look like coming off the injury and the surgery that he had. Plus, we don't know what the Titans offense is. probably still going to look like Derrick Henry. The question is if he's going to play like Derrick Henry. He didn't get facial reconstruction surgery. (laughs) And then there's also the fact that how are the Titans going to be incorporated back into the offense after missing him for so many weeks. So I'm leaning the Bengals on this one. Yeah, bet against the Bengals since I'm predicting them to win. I'm usually always wrong in these things. I have a tendency to jig teams, but I'm leaning the Bengals. But also keep in mind, I want the Titans to win. I just feel like the Bengals have all the momentum. And Ryan Tannehill is a bum. Next up, we've got the Green Bay Packers facing off against the San Francisco 49ers. And this is the grudge match game, the game where Aaron Rodgers gets to exercise his demons the 49ers passing on, or hopefully gets to exercise his demons because the last time these two teams faced each other in the playoffs, the 49ers beat the crap out of the Packers. And while I'm sure many fans would like to see that again. Don't think it's happening because the Packers have a much better run game this time around. They've got the real Aaron, Aaron Jones in the backfield. They got AJ Dillon. Their offensive line, despite the injury, is still very solid. And it's going to be pretty nippy in uh, Lambeau, which means I think the Packers will actually have the advantage when it comes to grounding and pounding. I know 
49ers anonymous with the run game because they got a terrible quarterback, but I just think the Packers run all over. Aaron Rodgers won't be called upon to play a huge role in this game. will still look good in his limited throws, still hook up with uh, Devontae Adams plenty of times, but it's not going to depend on him. They're just going to run over the 49ers. Well, I- I'm still leaning towards the Packers to win this game, but I do think the 49ers run game has evolved since the last time they played the Packers. They weren't using Debo as the running threat earlier in the season like they are now and did against the Cowboys. So I think he's going to play a much different factor in this game. And I think they're playing in Lambeau and run games travel. So I think that is going to be an element of their offense that is going to pose issues for the Packers defense, which has had trouble stopping the run recently. So I I think it's an interesting game from that perspective. I'm still leaning towards the Packers because on the other side of things, they have AJ Dillon, they have Aaron Jones if they need to run. They have the better quarterback in Aaron Rodgers who may win, who's more than likely going to win the MVP and Devontae Adams as much as everyone likes to talk about how good Debo is he's still the consensus best receiver in the NFL so I'm leaning Packers on this one well consensus best receiver not named Cooper Cup of course but speaking of Cooper Cup Rams facing off against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a chance to go to the NFC Championship and I feel it is worth noting that in Tom Brady's two seasons in the NFC and over his whole career he's already beaten as many NFC teams in the playoffs as Aaron Rodgers just a little fun factoid there and I think they're going to be even again after this week because the Buccaneers are more than likely going to beat the Rams. The only way they don't beat the Rams is if their tackle Tristan Wirfs is injured badly and he might be. Bruce Arians is a complete stooge for making him go back out on the field when he was clearly hurt and that might have cost him a playoff victory and a chance to go to the NFC Championship game. If Wirfs is hurt, Von Miller is going to do what Von Miller did to Tom Brady the last time the two faced each other and have an absolute field day. I would not want to play against Von Miller, an angry Von Miller, a Von Miller who just ruined Kyler Murray's chances of making it past the first round if I was Tom Brady in a mobile quarterback I'd be pretty scared I think Tom Brady is a little bit scared right now better man than me much less scared than I'd be, but Vaughn is absolutely going to eat his lunch if they don't sort out the tackle situation and don't chip him every single time with Gronkowski. It's going to be an issue. The Rams have the best defensive line football, one of the best D-lines we've seen ever. We've been able to say that multiple times about this Rams team over the past five years, and if they win, it's going to be because of the strength of that unit. Their offense is very good, which gets overlooked a lot of the time because of how good that defensive unit is with Ramsey, Miller, and Donald, but at the end of the day, that defense wins championships and might win them a trip to the NFC Championship. I'm still picking the Buccaneers because they got Tom Brady, but this game's going to be close and competitive. Well, that was quite a ramble there, Isaiah. I love rambling. (laughs) And both teams are carrying, I've used the word momentum a lot. Both teams are carrying momentum into the game. The Rams just came off a big win against the Cardinals. The Buccaneers, since the Antonio Brown debacle against the Jets, they've been on a tear. Mike Evans has shown up in a big way game after game after game, and the offense has been on fire. So it's really going to depend on how good Tom Brady is if they're going to be able to block the Rams pass rush and how many mistakes Matt Stafford makes on the offensive side of the ball. So I am going to lean towards the Buccaneers to win because I have learned from my past of betting against Tom Brady and I'm going to bet on him. It may be Tom Brady's downfall, but I'm betting on the Buccaneers to win. Is this the attempted jinx right here? Is this the uh, <laughs> move to finally put Tom Brady away? Is this the years of animosity for him being a better player than your entire franchise has ever produced coming out? And look, I'd say Brady is 
Brady, and he will find a way to win the playoffs regardless. And I can't imagine anyone else beating Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship game. And we know Aaron Rodgers is going to lose in the NFC Championship game, so you gotta bet on Brady. But finally, we have the Buffalo Bills paying a visit to Cold Arrowhead Stadium. And I did a decent amount of research for this game. Tristan will be shocked by that. Weather's supposed to vary around. Could be as high as 45, could be as low as 20, depending on the wind chill. It's going to be a bit nippy, not nearly as cold as the Bills' last playoff game. And it is going to be the final game of this round of playoffs. These teams will have been able to watch three other playoff games. They'll have been able to really marinate on the film. They've got all the extra time in the world to prepare for each other. And this would generally give an advantage to the team with a better coach. And I think Andy Reid might be the best coach in the NFL right now. That might upset some people, but don't really care. But at the end of the day, one team has Josh Allen. The other team doesn't. So you gotta bet on the Bills. They've got momentum. Tristan likes talking about momentum. They've won five straight. Beat the piss out of the Patriots. Hate division rival. They think they can take on anyone right now. If you watch how they played against the Patriots, a team with a better defense than the Chiefs, you realize that, hey, wait a second. They might do this again. They might score every drive again. The Chiefs like run man defense just about as much as the Patriots. They'll occasionally drop to zone, but they still do run plenty of man, and Josh Allen will absolutely torch them if they try to do that. If they can get the run game going, there is no way the Chiefs win. If you think Chris Jones can be a force on the inside, stop the run game by himself, hey, go for it. By all means, pick the Chiefs, but I just can't do that. I'm going to pick the team which is hotter. I'm going to pick the team with the quarterback with the bigger arm and more athleticism, and I'm going to ride with the Buffalo Bills to go back to the AFC Championship game and face off against the Tennessee Titans. I am going to go with the Chiefs here on this one. I said it already. I am rolling with Patrick Mahomes. They've been there two years in a row. I think they're going to go back there again. I don't see... I'm going to I'm going to roll with them. But with that being said, the thing that has given me concern when it comes to the Bills side of things is that they seem to have found a running game. They've been building momentum. They've been finding their offense over the last five weeks. And they're really on a roll. So that does give me cause for concern. I won't be surprised if they win. But at the end of the day, I'm still rolling with Patrick Mahomes. I'm still rolling with the defending AFC champs. And I think they're going to win this game. I'm going to lean with them. But once again, emphasis, I won't be surprised if the Bills win this one due to the fact they're establishing a running game and have really found their groove on offense. And the superior quarterback play. If you want to call it that. Uh, There's no doubt about it. It's superior quarterback play. At some point, we must realize that Stephon Diggs is nowhere close to the caliber player as the weapons Patrick Mahomes has in totality. He's got the better offensive-minded coach. He's got the fastest man in the NFL, and he still can't put up better numbers than Josh Allen. Still couldn't beat Josh Allen the first time around. Still won't be able to beat him this time around. So, call Patrick Mahomes the best player you've seen so-and-so all in one because of all his fancy no-look passes. At the end of the day, Josh Allen is going to dominate this game and show you who the real best quarterback in the AFC is. But enough talking about that. That is all we have for you today on the Thick Mending Podcast. If you are somehow finding this video and don't know about our TikTok, go follow that. Links to all our different accounts in the description below. Smash that subscribe button. Hit like. Please do not be mean to us in the comment section. It hurts our feelings so. 